We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. The NBA is back. Where else can a city this loud be this left on? And 30 feet is still in range. Where else is history? Still in the make. The NBA, only here. Season begins December 22nd on ABC, ESPN, TNT, and NBA TV. Here's what he did. Rhyme it. Do you know how to rhyme it? Oh, please just rhyme it. And he really gets into it. Do you know how to rhyme it? We will be rocking in LA. So let's rhyme it today. Let's rhyme it. Yes. We are going to rhyme it. Just yeah, rhyme that's it. That's where he just Ooh, rammed it. Everybody rhyme it. <laughs> we'll be rocking in LA. Say hello to the Rams today and rhyme it. I mean, he, now he's like on his feet. Rhyme it. Hey everybody, welcome back to Rams Brothers the Pod, episode 29, Nick, can you believe we've made it this far? Oh man. Yes, I believe we can make it this far, I believe we can make it to 31, and after that we'll probably implode. What's up everybody, (laughs) this is the Rams Brothers. Oh man, I'm joined weekly uh, by my co-host sidekick Nick, had great introduction there Nick, also host of the new segment, Nick's Picks of the Week. Uh, I think that segment's been been pretty awesome. We have another uh, feature of Nick's Picks of the Week later in this episode tonight, so get excited. I will thank you for that endorsement. Probably the nicest thing the host of the show has ever said about me. He usually introduced me as the sidekick and leans into the sidekick angle of it. So I'm usually trying to drop a Mike and Sully joke just to kind of ease the tension. What's up, everybody? It's... Uh, we're three and one. Yeah, Nick, and we're three and one in a very strange way, and we're going to set the tone for a pretty weird episode uh, as we dig into the game within the game and all the statistics that this game provided us. But Nick, uh, you know, it's it's just what it is. You know, we came out on the other side, and you know, we expected to potentially come back there in the end. A couple, a couple things I really just want to get out really fast. Um, kudos to the Rams for being in that game the entire time until the last second. Number one, two. Everybody that watched that game realistically cannot say it was not an entertaining game. The third thing I want to say is we're three and one, so also not something that we should freak out about. And then the fourth and final thing is I had this very bad inkling in the back of my mind where it was like the Rams went toe to toe with Kansas City last year, and this year the shootout between the Rams is between the Rams and the Bucks, and the Bucks come out on top. And it felt like a completely different team than last year. And I'm panicking a little bit. I'm definitely panicking. Yeah, and I think it's fair to panic a little bit. But, you know, also. I was all over the board there, Dean. But I mean, <laughs> I think that's fair to say because this game had everybody all over the board. 
it was all over the place and it may have been fun to watch and you know there may have been parts of the game that were enjoyable i mean even though the, we were down 21 nothing but the marcus peter interception was really exciting uh you know watching Gurley score twice was exciting obviously there were plays that broke up in the game a little bit but if if you really peel back all the layers and unfortunately we have to just because it's a loss and we have to figure out what the hell went wrong you know, them being four, four for eleven on third down and zero for one on fourth down—a really, really bad play call selection. It looks like they kind of duplicated the effort on third and six, where they had a short completion to Cooper Cup, and then panicked on fourth down. Nick, they should have used a timeout. They had three available, like you said. McVeigh is is pretty, pretty stingy with his timeouts, and he doesn't necessarily know at what point of the game to use them. I think that's a fair assessment at this point because you know we've seen some things that that we haven't seen. Some bizarre situations, but everybody wants to pick apart the bad. And even though when I was watching this game, I was at like completely a different mode than I am now. I was very angry. You watched me. <laughs> was not really happy at all. I was leaving. Was storming out. There's a lot of good things this team. Like if they came back and won this game, I mean, I'm like, and they were so on the verge of it. I mean, you gotta, you have a touchdown tying with the extra point drive at the end of that game that ended very bad, but that this team is more than capable of winning on that drive. No, so, you're right. You're so, right. I and mean, it, like, as much as there is to be upset about, still scored 40 points, you know? Honestly, if, the, if, the, if you look at it on the other side, too, if, if we came away with the victory and it was, you know, 56 to 55, all this stuff is kind of forgotten. Uh, you know, honestly, because if Goff throws three picks and he fumbles and it's returned by Nadamnik and Sue, but there's still enough time on the clock for us to come back, all this stuff's forgotten. But that's not what happened. So, unfortunately, I, I know that there was some good things that you could pull out of the game. Uh, Goff, just purely based on volume, threw for over 500 yards, but he also dropped back 77 times. What? It was just... It, Nick, we could go through all the reasons why this game was so, so weird, because it was in almost... 15 different ways you know even if they were good things that happened it was strange and a lot of things shouldn't have happened and were preventable so i mean we could take the time to go through it i don't know that's up to you unless you want to stay on the good side no you're right we have to intersect because you know what we got three days to march into seattle at 8 20 so let's get this in our minds let's remember it quick and let's go move on we have to remember it, right? Because it's it is a short week, and you know it being the weirdest score, final score of all time. You know, according to Scoregami, which is something that I just learned about this week, that score has never happened in NFL history. Nick, the, the Rams have fifty-four to forty has never happened. Fifty-five to forty has never happened, and now the Rams have been a part of three of the twelve highest scoring games in the history of the NFL's regular season. Bizarre stat. First game in NFL history where both teams made field goals of at least 58 yards. And Matt Gay had a, had a career high with his 58-yard field goal. The Rams and Bucks set a record there. The Rams were the biggest home favorite to lose a game since Week 15 last season when they lost to the Philadelphia Eagles as 13.5-point favorites. Let's forget that game. I think well, I can't believe I even brought it up. We tried to forget it for, for weeks. And also, Nick, the Rams snapped the streak of covering six consecutive games as the favorite. So what does uh, the host of Nick's Picks have to say about that one? The host of Nick's Picks will get into that later. I don't think we need to talk about the gambling blunders that occurred this week yet. <laughs> we don't have to because I know that there are some things that you, you know, you'll probably end up discussing that will come on Nick's Picks that we don't have to discuss yet. But Nick Goff, him becoming the third quarterback with 500 plus passing yards and a loss, joining Dan Marino and Matt Stafford. It was the weirdest game. It was the weirdest game ever. And I, at, from the moment the game started, I was on edge because uh, uh, the most uncharacteristic special teams thing happened, which our special teams is supposedly number one, but then you know can just flip flop every other year like remember when our special teams was number one and then the two fumbles against the falcons in the playoffs two years ago that's how this game starts right the leg hits one that goes out of bounds and the tampa bay is like on their horses on the 50 yard line already and they get a quick touchdown they do 60 yard td drive 
Yeah, they got a quick touchdown to Chris Godwin, Nick, who that's, was, it was kind of setting the tone, right? So Chris Godwin had two catches, one for 17 yards, one for 18 yards in that drive, and then it was capped off of Peyton Barber. Bucks went up 7-0 really quick. Nick, the Rams on the next drive, they didn't run the ball one time. Havenstein was penalized. That really set the tone for the whole rest of the game because I, I think every single member of the offensive line was penalized aside from Joey Noteboom. Why are you – that's the time where you have to establish the run, and the Rams are like, let's just throw the ball all the, every single play. Yeah, it, just, it didn't make any sense. I, I just don't understand why that, that was happening. And then, Nick, once the Rams punt the ball away, uh, Clay Matthews gets a sack, and then Aaron Donald forces some, some trouble in the middle, and Sebastian Joseph Day is able to make a play and start flexing. Um, but that, you know, that's that's what happens. And on third and thirteen, the Rams were only able to to rush four and found a way. Um, and, and they have done that all year. So it looks like the Rams are still going to be in the game. And then on the next drive, they started to string together a few well-designed pass plays um, to Woods and Cooks, and it takes us into the second quarter. That was uh, the Rams haven't been down seven nothing in the first quarter. I think it's been a, it's been a while since they've given up a first quarter touchdown. I think it's been nine games in a row at this point. Yeah, I mean, they said it when we were watching the game, and I was like, wow. Like, that's so good that we're usually able to hold them, and then something like this occurs where it's 14 nothing bucks all of a sudden, and we're like, can we even, like, is, can the Rams even come back from that? We play well with the lead, but that's a completely different, you know, monster when you're playing from behind. Yeah. Which they, you know, ended up coming back and doing, but, you know, before that, the Bucks are scoring 14 before we even get anything on the board. Yeah, you're right. And it, that, that drive was really well balanced, the drive that the Bucks had. It was it was uh, seven plays. And if you look back at that drive, it was literally a run, then a throw, then a run, then a throw, then a run, and then two throws to score. And it was, you know, that effort of Roby Coleman in the corner to make a play on Godwin was pretty poor. Um, and it, like you said, Nick, the Bucks go up 14 nothing. And then, you know, on the Rams' next drive, they decided to run with Malcolm Brown. And then on third down and four, you know, I guess they got a little bit impatient uh, after running the ball twice. Goff ends up trying to force it to Everett. Um, and, and after not being able to read the linebacker, Levante David, who drops back in coverage, made a really nice interception on the ball. So, th- you know, it leads to another Tampa Bay touchdown. And Yeah, I mean, you know, at this point, everyone's kind of just waiting for, like, quick points on the board. I mean, you know, it's just like 21 nothing. When it like when in McVay history has that even ever happened? And the answer is it hasn't. When in the history of McVay has that happened? The answer is never. Uh, but then you know, Nick, they're down 21 points. Did they start to unwind a little bit? They did. Um, they get to the line of scrimmage fast. They start to you know bring the tempo up a little bit. Start to fire off a few positive plays, and then all of a sudden. Um, you know, after the Rams spotted Tampa Bay 21 points, they get to work. And Gurley runs over four players in an effort to score a touchdown. And it's, you know, it's always redeeming to see him play well nowadays. Um, so to see him lower his head, the Rams get back in the game. And then they force a punt on Tampa Bay's next drive. And then when the Rams get the ball back, we put together a four-play, yard, a four 50-yard touchdown drive after an impressive throw with pressure in his face to Robert Woods in Goff's face, who walks a tightrope down the right sideline. Goff then finds Everett on a bullet, makes the game 21-14, to and we still feel like we have a shot in this game. Yeah, I mean, and Everett's getting some, like, big-time looks, which he's, they've tried definitely to be implementing him more, and in this game it showed, especially when Goff, you know, misses him later. But he also doesn't seem like the guy that wants to make the play after he catches the ball. I mean, it seems like he's already out of breath by the time the ball hits his hands every time. <laughs> and on that drive when it, you know it's falling in his hands, he doesn't seem to try to make a play out of it. I know it's far, but like a little dive or I don't know. Who am I to question the great Everett? But still, <laughs> I mean, there there can be things that can be improved from the simplest of viewer can recognize. No, you're right. Everett tends to, uh, you know, not run routes too, too well. Uh, he's more of a blocker, but, uh, you know, he's used in a couple schemes, especially with Higby being banged up, and, you know, he, he has the ability to break free and being the fourth receiver. You know, there's there's an option where maybe a safety or a linebacker forgets to cover him, and he breaks his zone, or he breaks a man coverage, and he, he finds some space, but, you know, it was, it was happening yesterday, and it just didn't, they didn't necessarily execute on it. And then the Bucks, Nick, then they end up 
on you know being great on third down for the entire day, and their their attack <laughs> remained well balanced. You know, we're looking at the other side. Like I, I can't believe this is Tampa Bay making all these plays. They quickly drove the ball back down the field and scored in us in eleven plays. So they make it twenty-eight to fourteen. And then Nick, before the half ends, Greg the leg saves us with a fifty-eight yard field goal, which uh, you know is one of the two fifty-eight yard field goals in this game, as we mentioned. One of the <laughs> most ridiculous stats ever. But it makes it manageable before the half. But you know, there there were so many things that happened within that first half, Nick. And and you and I were sitting there and watching and thinking to ourselves. A couple moments that could completely change the game. And the defense, if it were to step up in the beginning of the game, you know, there's some serious potential to to make Jameis make a mistake or bring some extra pressure. You know, when you look at the other side of the ball, Tampa Bay really dominated up front. And they did it because they brought so much pressure and modeled the, the framework that Belichick and Matt Patricia and Matt Nagy all laid out, like we have mentioned in previous podcasts. So then bringing pressure in the A-gap, and sometimes Malcolm Brown or Todd Gurley forgetting to hit the block, you know, it brings pressure right in Goff's face, and he's likely to make a mistake there. You know, and we saw that a couple times in the first half. Tampa Bay had, what, 14 points off the turnover in the first half? That's concerning. Yeah, I mean, it's just without Greg being the leg, the Rams don't <laughs> even get that, that three extra points to make it 17-28, like a fairly more feasible game. Because, I mean, Goff gets, like, you failed, you, you, I mean, like, yeah, obviously you don't have to mention everything, but before that, Goff got sacked, and it brought us back on a third and 12 when he has to drop back, and it's like, just get even further up the field. There's And they rush, and, of course, the block is missed. And with, I don't, I don't know, just without those kind of, missteps and backward steps in the offensive line it's gonna it, it it makes this team just feel completely different from last year yeah it, making 17 a must grab as opposed to just being comfortable and scoring 17 in the first half yeah and if you know we could have we could have been stuck at i don't know seven points 14 points instead we came away with 17 luckily because our offense decided to get going after they were down 21 points and they realized hey maybe we're at home we got to give the fans some type of show so in the beginning of the second half nick the rams again fooled us on the opening drive they you know they really started to move the ball really well mostly through the air again um, they were kind of reluctant to run the ball and only did five times on this drive for less than 10 yards total in a you know total of 14 plays on the entire drive the drive ended in a field goal and the rams were then able to make it 28 to 20. Um, but the Bucks came back, and they continued to match whatever our, the energy was that they were providing on the field. I mean, John Johnson and Eric Weddle made comments after the game that the energy wasn't there. Um, they collided on a, on a mismatch play on a big third down uh, that resulted in an incompletion. And then, like we said, Matt Gay came in and drilled run from 58, a career long. It, but it was, you know, it's 31 to 20 at that point, and if Weddle and John Johnson didn't collide, you know, we would have had the opportunity to at least have the pick, save three points, and, and get the ball with a chance to come back. Yeah, I mean, you know, that they had a running back protecting Goff at that point, which kind of seems like is an ongoing theme. And the blitz just came right in, back in the A gap, and the ball was tipped and picked. Could have been Malcolm Brown's fault for not picking up the blitz on both plays, but, you know, so it goes, and then Rams Twitter wants to, you know, have Goff's ahead, and it's everybody makes it seem like it's on him, and there are many flaws to this team that we can, you know, slice and dice all day after watching this game and losing this game, but... I mean, that's what we're doing right now. <laughs> but let's just keep doing it, apparently. And, well, it just yeah. hurts. It hurts a little bit, brother. Yeah, well, we're not, not necessarily slicing them apart. I think this game gives us a really good opportunity to look what what it is that they're giving us, right? And and what it is that they're running from an offensive perspective and what kind of adjustments they're making yeah. and, you know, if they're going to, you know, make adjustments on the offensive line and, and where really it is that the whole fan base is mostly concerned and it always starts up front, so you need you need to be able to have that solid protection from an offensive line perspective. But it's really hard to stop a six-man pass rush or a seven-man pass rush. And even if they're showing blitz, uh, you know, it's, it still gives the offensive line a difficult look. And they're still young. I mean, Havenstein was overmatched with Shaq Barrett, and he has been. He's probably beat up from the last couple of weeks from trying to cover against uh, Miles Garrett and. 
Cameron Jordan from the Saints. You know, those guys are big-time players, and Havenstein has, has been tasked with some really tough assignments. And that's why he's been getting called for holding and for false starts and all these other things because he's trying to get a leg up on his opponent. Um, but he's, you know, he's a really tough right tackle. And then Blythe is banged up on the inside. So, Nick, we're just, you know, we're hopeful that they can make those adjustments and, and be able to be a different team when the defense continues to kind of show them the same look that has been working against them for a while now. <laughs> I'm sorry. I mean, like, it's just, it's just I'm watching these. So I'm watching these highlights as, as you're, critiquing their play and it's it's just grosser and grosser it just get like the defense just starts to give up more and more and the offense is really giving it everything it's got uh, it's it, it it's really all got i mean Gurley barely even sees the ball it's like he gets he gets those two rushing touchdowns and they're big in the moment but it's like the first play. They seem like they're like, yeah, let's try this. Yeah, well, Goff, we get to our real plays. Goff having seventy-seven dropbacks, Nick, is more than you know most teams run plays in a single game. And you know, it was Bate who had a really nice tweet uh, who said that Goff's passing attempts have gone up. I think it's thirty percent so far from last year to this year. I mean, he's thrown a whole nother game's worth of pass attempts at this point in the season. So. That shouldn't happen. And when you know when you put your your quarterback in that position, you can't establish the run. You know what are you supposed to do? You're playing from behind, so the excuse is that you have to make up points because you are playing from behind. But at the same time, how are you supposed to do that if you don't have a run established and you're just kind of you know throwing to make plays and they continue to bring the same look on defense? It's a very difficult adjustment to be made, especially when the offensive line isn't producing. Nick, like we said, it all starts up front. And then, honestly, the, the third quarter ended, um, and it took us into the fourth quarter with five straight touchdown drives from both teams. Um, it only took them, it only took the Bucks six plays to score on us again, Nick, after all of that happened. And Chris Godwin was absolutely unstoppable. Like you mentioned, you're watching the highlights, you probably see a, a too much Chris Godwin. Um, and after the third quarter ended, it was 38-20 to 20 Tampa Bay. 38 to 20 Tampa Bay, and I'm just counting on my fingers how many points we and how many scores we need and what can possibly happen for us to win this game. <laughs> yeah, it, it didn't look like it was likely, honestly. And we got into the fourth quarter, and then Gurley's second touchdown drive came in an eight-play, 75-yard drive that featured everyone but Todd Gurley until they were down on the, on Tampa Bay's five-yard line. The Rams then cut it to 38 to 27. And we were kind of excited and optimistic at this point because of, you know, the Todd Gurley getting in the end zone again. It just seemed like there was a lot of, of positivity and, you know, there was a chance to come back. But after that, the 67-yard touchdown pass was really what drove us insane because, you know, it was Mike Evans beating uh, Marcus Peters over the top. It made him look stupid. Protection from a defensive perspective was, you know, an all-out blitz and they held Peters back and... It just didn't work. It, it really didn't work, and that made the game 45 to 27. And it was pretty demoralizing, to be honest, from from a fan's perspective. No, and like that's. I mean, I'm out. Like I'm like saying I'm done watching this game three times over at this point. Like 45 27. I mean, like I'm trying to check out, but then the Rams kind of start to chip away a bit, and obviously at this point, Todd Gurley and Malcolm Brown are just not options. You, you clearly set that up as that's not going to happen. But Goff finds Cooks for a huge TD, which again puts us back in the game at 45-34. And then Peters was absolutely massive and gets that kind of like, we're back in this game, uh, you know, interception into a touchdown, making it 45-40. to 40. And now you're like, okay, our defense has played like crap all game. They have a drive to stop, to give us the lead in the fourth quarter for the first time in the game, and they can't complete. I mean, not that the offense was giving them that much since they also missed the two-point conversion in the fourth that would have put the Rams within a field goal to tie the game. Again, instead of running the ball, McVay uh, runs play action to, Gur uh, to Gurley. Goff has pressure in his face, and besides going for somebody in the end zone, Goff just decides to spike it down right before the end zone, not even attempting a play, which uh, is even more demoralizing than an interception at that point. Yeah, Nick, but also we forgot to mention that Marcus Peters got drilled in the head 
when he returned oh, yeah. that interception for a touchdown, and they, they never threw a penalty flag. It looked like Peters' head almost got turned all the way around. And they targeted at all? Yeah, no? they, they should have called targeting. They should have called helmet to helmet. They should have kicked him out of the game. All three of the things should have happened. Yeah, and, you know, that doesn't, like, that's something that just looks really bad on the box, too. I mean, the Rams are not a team that's playing like that. Or, I mean, there haven't been any calls on them. There were a lot of calls on them all game, but nothing, you know, sinister. And if you look at that hit, Peters is in the touchdown. I mean, he's in the end zone. He has the touchdown. The play is the play is over. And it's such a mean-spirited, like, F-U kind of hit. Yeah, I mean, they called 13 penalties on the Rams for a total of 106 yards, which is the highest in McVay's history. Um <sighs> Yeah, that you figured they would call a penalty on that play, but I, I assume they just missed it because it was such a bang-bang play. And I don't think it was necessarily targeting or anything crazy like that, but at the same time, we could have used 15 yards. Despite, Nick, how many different times in this game did the refs kind of give us an opportunity to hang back in the game? I mean, even yeah, on... And then for us just to put us back five yards again Yeah. with a, with a stupid call on offensive lineman jumping. Yeah, I mean, it's, you know, that's, it's crazy. And then... You know, they, they start to come back, but they continue to, to struggle stopping Ronald Jones, who, who Ronald Jones took them all the way down to the five-yard line. And then on third and goal, they make a stop, and then, you know, Gay knocks one through to make it an eight-point game. And then the Rams, Nick, on their next drive, they only have one timeout. They're extremely pass-happy. Uh, there's two minutes and, and 16 seconds left in the fourth uh, at third and eight, but then it's, you know, they're short, and they have to go for it again on fourth down. And then, Nick, this, this penalty... Uh, you know, we really had an opportunity to, to come back into the game because on fourth down, Nassib was caught for encroachment on a weird play. It looked like Blythe moved. We get an automatic first down, which was really a gift from God. And then Cooks is called for an offensive pass interference on the next play, which was an awful call. He hardly did anything at all, and it didn't even affect the play. And then Nick, with a four-man rush, Shaq Barrett puts a dominant spin move on Havenstein and, and completely ends the game. We watch the ball pop up, and we watch Sue's fat ass jiggle all the way into the end zone. And Havenstein is just chasing him down. And Nick, we've never seen a game where, where all of our linemen had to chase after so many defensive players as frequently as this. The Bucks end up winning the game 55-40. to 40. And how devilishly ironic, or whatever you want to call it, for Sue to score the game-winning touchdown against us. It's just like, that's not what we deserve for what the position we put him in last year. Like, he was on <laughs> such a good team, and we were doing so well last year. And then for that to happen, it's kind of like if we were Rangers fans the year prior and Marcus Peters grabs his, his, uh, his funky junk and, you know, falls back into the end zone with the ball. Yeah, it is. I mean, Marcus Peters didn't play for the Raiders, but I do understand where you're coming from, though, because it it's still kind of the same kind of concept. and The, yeah. the same kind of sting. Yeah, it's the it's same like, kind of sting. This isn't even justified. It is. It, it totally is. And it's, you know, <laughs> to see that happen and, you know, all this effort to fight back and, and make a game out of it, after losing the turnover battle four to one and losing the time of possession battle by like five and a half minutes, um, Goff throwing three interceptions and fumbling, it's just all these these weird things happening. We felt like the game could have swung in our direction. It just didn't, and it was it was hard to watch Tampa Bay put up fifty five points. And it's been hard so far this week to hear everybody talk about how Tampa Bay put up fifty five points on the Rams. Honestly, though, thanks to Nick's picks. I can be 100% correct when I say that this is not the most uh, important loss of the week because to me it seems like not many people are discussing this and the people that are discussing it seem, besides Rams Twitter, which is just um, a mess after bad losses like this, but everybody seems to be blaming the defense and less so Goff, which I think is the correct way to, um, to look at this game. I mean, blame the defense, blame the offensive line. Uh, and I, uh, the play calling for not getting a lot of touches. But I think Goff did the best, the best job possible in the situation that he had. And putting up 40 points is just completely just incredible to come back from something like that in a deficit. All of that being said, we still lost. <laughs> we did. We still lost. 
Um, and honestly, Nick, you know, it was a great oh, attempt. Oh, yeah, and, and uh, the Cowboys. Everyone's talking about the Cowboys because <laughs> they lost big time. Yeah, the Cowboys lost too, which is huge. But the Rams, honestly, are the first team since 1966 to score 40 points and lose by at least 15 points. So this was, you know, the NFL is unpredictable. You know, even Nick's picks couldn't have predicted anything that crazy. Um, and, you know, Goff being Goff throwing the ball 68 times. I mean, there there was a real chance for them to come back and claw back when you know you're trying to attack them in the air. And the Tampa Bay defense gets tired, and they're not bringing the same kind of rush that they brought earlier in the game. They were sitting back a little bit. We had a chance to attack them, but it just didn't necessarily work out in our favor. And Goff throwing the ball 68 times puts him right up there next to Drew Bledsoe. Um, oh, he's behind Bledsoe. Bledsoe threw for 70 attempts uh, for the Patriots versus the Vikings in 1994. And Testaverde threw for 69 times for the Jets against the Baltimore Ravens in 2000. Goff is tied with George Blanda and John, John Kitna for 68, third most all-time in passing attempts. Just shouldn't happen. Uh, the, the only meme I really saw that was negative towards the Rams, I don't know if you want to judge any of this on memes, because you shouldn't, but I mean, if you want to just talk about what the narrative is after this game, um, it was showing all the highlights that the Rams had, all the good things that they did, and then the following caption was, and they somehow still lost the game? And <laughs> So, I mean, mercy me. For calling out all, for trying to find the uh, the positives in a game like this, because we're still three and one, um, I I think we're panicking probably more so than any other fan base that is three and one right now, and I think that's kind of justified because our expectations are Super Bowl or bust because of how well we did last year. Um, so, you know, maybe we're being a little bit of the devil's advocate on ourselves with the positive and the negative. Am I not giving the Buccaneers enough credit? No. I am giving them no credit, and I'm correct, because they're not a good football team. Well, you know, they they just did weird things happened. And I said that a hundred times this episode, but this this was one week after they, they blew an eighteen point halftime lead at home against the Giants. So they were you know, they were up for the challenge and they were up at our throats at the jump. Um, despite this being a really tough matchup for them on paper. And the Bucks, and then, you know, Jim Everett mentioned this in the interview, that you have to play every single NFL game because, the you know, it's, it's the NFL and everything's unpredictable and it's any given Sunday. Um, you know, the Bucks starting are, you know, they're starting off on this five-game road trip. They probably felt like they had an opportunity to take a vacation over to Los Angeles, steal a win in the Coliseum if they were going to be dominant up front and follow the same blueprint that has been laid out against the Rams that has been working. Um, and, you know, they, they stole one. So, you know, they were a desperate team, and we just weren't. So it, it just happens. Nothing is guaranteed in the NFL. 55 points for the Bucks, franchise record. That's a fact. The Bucks have never scored that many points before. Oh, man, doesn't that bring you back to the Fisher days when it seemed like every team was breaking a personal best record against us? Yeah, it does. Yeah, I felt like every single game I used to watch as a Rams fan, there would be a record broken against us. This was the first time, legitimately, in the McVay era, not even the Super Bowl gave me this feeling, because that just felt like a chess match. But this was the first time where I was just like, we're boned from the get-go, we're not coming back, and we stink as a team collectively. And that is a that's a feeling that, I would never want to have about my team, but I have had in the past, so it's it's a very you know familiar feeling. <laughs> yeah, I guess that feeling could kind of come back around, right? And you know, it's it's not that far away from from where it was, and you know, you remember all the hard times. So you know, when your team starts to revert to to really bad habits and things aren't working out the way that you expected to, you know, you can be overly concerned, and that's. That's natural, and I think that that's what we're going to find out when we jump into the Rams Twitter segment. This is a new segment called the Rams Twitter Complain Box. So, you know, we had over we had over 50 responses last night in a tweet that was asking all Rams fans, honestly, to voice their opinion and react to the loss at home against the Bucks. And we all really just wanted to know. 
Yeah, fresh reactions, exactly. And we all wanted to know what you were most concerned with. And this game was the perfect opportunity for you guys to release your frustrations that were probably built up, presumably built up, from the last three, four games. Um, and I guess you can include the fourth being the Super Bowl. So from the Twitter drama over the past four weeks or so, we've collected 50-plus responses. We're going to go over some of the best ones. Um, and let's let's start firing them off, Nick. I wanted to start off definitely, though, with a couple good ones because uh, <laughs> there were probably 50-plus that were mostly negative. But we did have three or so, three, maybe three or four, <laughs> <laughs> that were somewhat positive. So let's go few. Let's go through those few, uh, if you don't mind, Nick. Why don't you start with the first one? Yeah, I mean, I think this. It's only fair for me because I've been saying how we scored forty points, and I try to see the positives. I think it's fair for me to jump into the positive ones. With <laughs> uh, Richard uh, Ricardo uh, Quintero tweets in and says, "One loss does not define our season. Go Rams. Simple, elegant. He's right." <laughs> Good teams lose to bad teams. Remember the Miami Miracle last year? This could be the Florida flop, this game. That, that's what we can call it. I mean, it's, you know, this is not our DNA. Eric uh, Lipster tweets in and says, I'm most concerned about the children. No ice cream for Weddell's kids. Hashtag, what about the children? I mean, you know, Weddell actually tweets about it and says, no matter how bad I played or whatever, um, this is still an important game to me because my son's here. And Weddle, Weddle's the man. I love how vocal he is on Twitter. Um, I'm glad his son had a great time at the game. Yeah, I'm sure but, the, his uh, son had a great time. Not, no ice cream for anybody after that loss. And then Roberto tweets in, and he's Roberto, and he says, I am positive. I love this team spirit and the reaction, which is, uh, which is great. I mean, I, you know, team spirit just reminds me of Nirvana. They're a good band. Uh, now let's jump into the meanest one while I'm at it. And it actually did get a LOL walls out of me. Um, Nathan Wright tweets in and says, A lot to be disgusted about. I'd make them all walk home. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, Nathan, that's that's harsh. And, uh, you know, we call that tough love over here at the, here at the Rams, brothers. Uh, but what are you going to do? That's, that's how you felt after the game. It's necessary to voice your opinion and nick do you mind if i uh, start on the rest because the rest are uh, you know they're, they're fair and you know i think it's time to go, get into some of the more serious ones what do you think yeah i think uh, i think that's a good uh, that's a good push yeah we let you uh tee it off but you know now we we got to go over to the more serious side and hey everybody this is the serious oh. brother unfortunately. Oh, oh my god the one why, that's why must you put me in a box Serious, comedic, musical. I could be them all. Damn it. You could be whatever you want, co-host. Uh, but anyway, Live and Jay. Host, let's talk about. Host. Let's talk about Live and Jay. You could be the host whenever you want to be the host. We'll have to do another episode where you are the host again. Oh, those are great episodes. Those are probably the worst episodes. Um, <laughs> <laughs> we got Live and Jay, and uh, Live and Jay is a pretty avid responder to our tweets. He said the offense aside. Too many turnovers that ended in quick scores for the Bucks, and he's right, 28 points off the turnover. Goff looked like he was rushing everything, and the O-line didn't help him much with that. There's no ground game established at all, just all-around bad play calling and not enough energy. The players commented on the energy after the game, so Livid Jay, I think that's a really good point. And everything was rushed because they were bringing consistent pressure, and the line struggled to protect Goff. And, uh, you know, it, it's fair to say that Shaq Barrett might be the defensive player of the year. And Tampa Bay with Todd Foles is a really good front, and you know, their defensive back struggle, but you know up front they're they're pretty tough. Um, so I think it's fair to to assess that. But you know Bobby Husey talks about the offensive line. Mister Horns Up talks about the running game in the O line. Jim T talks about McVeigh and his pass happy play calling. You know all of those things start up front, Nick. All of those things start with the offensive line, and I know Bobby Husey's concerned about the offensive line. He should be, because it's not what it was last year. It was a shell of what it was last year. Now you got Havenstein on the right side, who's going up against, and I've said this earlier in the podcast, going up against some of the best talent in the NFL. 
So obviously he's going to struggle, but the penalties is what they have to get down on. You know, Brian Allen was penalized once. Whitworth was penalized a couple times. Um, I'm not sure if Nopum was penalized at all, honestly, but Blythe was penalized a couple times, and he's obviously banged up. So that's where it starts. I mean, they're not the same offensive line as they were last year. They lost two veterans. I was to say, to, literally, they're not the same. Yeah, they have to develop that continuity. They're just not where they were last year. So that's, that's why the Rams can't run the ball. That's why they're not confident in the run game right now, despite having Todd Gurley, one of the best running backs in the entire league. Yeah, I mean, I... I want to be honest, I, as much as McVay wants to say that the run game is strong and there's nothing wrong with Gurley, like, there's, there has to be something wrong. I mean, just, just watch other games and watch how running backs perform. Nick Chubb is a great example. Dalvin Cook this year looks really use, good. Yeah, there are a couple. Is, and, and Gurley's just not being used as, as the weapon. And maybe, I mean, maybe you can put it all on McVay because... It, Brown had a great year last year, and now it just seems like our run game is predictable, and it's just very simple. And 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 you need more than that. And the fact that the offense can't fall back on that at all and still score for, uh, score forty points, which uh, is impressive to me, but at the same time, you're not going to win a game like that. And you don't even need these crazy dominant runners. You just need consistency. Which is what Gurley was for so long. Yeah, and it's but Nick Goff and Gurley are better behind a really solid offensive line. And if you look in the first year, look at Goff's small sample size. The line, you know, in 2016 under Jeff Fisher was awful. And again, it's not good. And you're seeing it with Goff and Gurley. And I think McVay's just reluctant to give Gurley the ball and let him get banged up when they talked about having him on a pitch count and all this load management stuff. So I think that they're kind of afraid to go back on their word and overuse him because then he's not going to be available later in the season. So, and you know, it's... But, you know, are we just going to play as if we're going to get into the Super Bowl? Well, that's the thing. McVay made a comment and said they're, they're not trying to hold anybody for anything. They're trying to win games individually. It's exactly what they should be. But it's a good transition into Justin White's tweet. And Justin tweets that McVay swears that Gurley isn't hurt. Nick, and you talked about this. But he proceeds not to hand him the ball in the first quarter and just five times throughout the game, which led to two touchdowns. He, but you know, J- Justin was a firm believer in McVay for eight months, and he's just not anymore. Not after this. And I don't know if it's time to <laughs> to, to stop believing in McVay. Um, no, I mean, I think if you stop believing in McVay, then you are just a little paranoid goof. No, Justin, you know, you have to understand that McVay is uh, he's gonna he's gonna make adjustments. I don't truthfully believe that Justin has fully given up faith in, in McVay. He, there, there's no way. Yeah, I hope not. I hope not because there's a lot of football to be watched. And the uh, the LA Rams fan club talks about Goff's lack of ownership, his bad contract, and Goff just playing like a mixed bag and thinks McVay is to blame. Nick, what do you have to oh, say about God. that? I, that that just sounds like a lot. I that just sounds like a lot of emotions, and I don't think it's I don't think you mean it because Goff Goff is taking ownership of the offense because nobody else is. And I think you can say Goff's lack of ownership or McVay is to blame. And I think it's more so McVay this time, just personally, is how I feel about it. I don't think you can say they're both to blame. I think there had there were strong efforts on a team that just didn't come up with a win. Um, it's not like we, we didn't get – it wasn't 54 nothing, you know. Right. Like, Rams Twitter, I love you guys, and you're just as passionate as me. But we're three and one, and we went to the Super Bowl last year. Like we could be. What if it? What if we were two and two right now? Like, and we lost that game to the Browns. Would everybody just like have to like jump off a cliff? We are in a solid <laughs> spot, and I like how our team responded to being down twenty-one nothing hey, and Nick. making it forty forty-five in the fourth quarter with a chance to come back and win. Nick, if we so, go... Sue me! Sue me. If we go 3-1 three, three more times this season, we're 12-4. and four. 
Think of it that way. And that's not a bad record to have going into uh, going into the playoffs. And most We're of the time, that results in a bye. Last year, by by being eight and zero in the beginning of the season. Yeah, We're the, so spoiled. Yeah, I think you and I are a little bit too. And just because it was so great, and you know, we kind of expect that same level of greatness just because of of what happened in the off season, some of the expectations that they've given us. Um, but Nick, let's let's move over to Joey Elia. Um, he's been a great responder over the last couple of days. A lot of great interaction with Joe. Um, he, you know, he talks about Goff you know, making no-name stars with all these yards. And I thought this was a really interesting question. He's always airing out the ball. He's wondering if Goff can make stars out of no-name players. And he's also wondering when does the one-two punch start with Gurley and Brown. I think honestly, Joey, we're all waiting for that to happen. But you know it. In the first drive of the game, they have to learn to establish the run and not pass the ball four or five times. It just it, it doesn't happen, and then you set yourself back and, and make mistakes, maybe on plays where you should have ran the ball. And, you know, it's he also recommended Aaron Donald as a fullback, which is probably my favorite recommendation in all of Twitter. So Let's get some, uh, some, some Clay offensive snaps. And where would you run Clay? As a tight end? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, it's you know it's crazy. Or just snap it to Clay. Yeah, just snap it, right, <laughs> snap it right to Clay. And um, and, and honestly, <laughs> yeah, honestly, Joey, I, I, you know, I think there's a lot to worry about. But Goff makes a few mistakes. He can't get creative, um, and that leads to them being down twenty-one nothing. And then you got to throw to start fighting back. So that's why you kind of avoid that one-two punch. Um, how about Ram seventy-three tweets? O line, where did they go? Tim Melville tweets defense. Philip Tucker tweets, disappointed in lack of rushing attempts between the tackles. All three of those things is what we've been focusing on throughout the podcast. The defense was a surprise this week, Nick. We did not expect them to be what they were. Um, you know, Ram73 is confirmed, con- concerned about the offensive line, too. How could you not be? Um, and we talked about that a little bit in a couple other tweets. And, and disappointed in the lack of rushing attempts between, to, between the tackles, we're not going to get that without the offensive line feeling confident and McVay feeling confident in the fact that we can run inside the tackles. It just doesn't seem to be happening right now. Mike Murphy, offensive line. I mean, it's, it's definitely something that is prominent with everybody. And it's, <laughs> I think it's the most, is the worst, the worst part of our team right now currently which i think is a fair statement because somebody's got to take this baton of of boofdom right now and i'm going to put it on the offensive line mike murphy's saying uh production starts with them and they've been very inconsistent and it's hard to believe how inconsistent havenstein has been i mean he's been penalized multiple times each game and has been overmatched by cam jordan against the saints miles garrett shaq barrett all really good players, but he's still getting exposed time and time again. Mike also mentioned Wit, Blythe, and Havenstein. Wit is playing well, but still, I mean, I'm seeing penalties on Wit and big penalties. And, and like the one that was on him in the Super Bowl. And I know we don't all want to talk about that, but that's, you know, that's still on my mind with Wit when he's when he's getting flagged from him. He's got to be the guy that gets no flag. He does. And, uh, you know, Brian Allen was still productive, but... You know, there's and then there's no boom, but it's hard to stop six plus pass rushers, and we mentioned that on Twitter last night. Uh, Nick, I think there needs to be more people like uh, maybe like Anthony Garcia, who just says the Rams will still win the division. No context, no nothing else. He just still feels like the Rams are going to win the division. Uh, I love that, but then there's there's other people like like Darren Darren Hart, who feels like uh, you know he he loves oh, the coach. I hated this. I hated he loves the coach, I, but I he, he thinks he's looking like Mike Martz, and that's because there's only five rushing attempts for Todd Gurley. I don't hate the comparison after watching that game. And he also brings up how the offense plays totally different from past two seasons and is this McVay being like here's my answer like this is what I'm going to do differently I'm changing it up again because I remember hearing a lot of that during preseason like a new play idea and all this and if this is the answer maybe we go back let's say go back to what was working and go back to the let's just roll back the rock to the donut time and get to Nick's quick picks yeah yeah it is it must be time to get to Nick's quick picks because you know there's a lot of us that a lot of Rams fans like like Mike Winchell who 
You know, a lot of people are under the impression that, you know, Jared Goff is a bust and there's so much drama going on around him and the narratives are just, they just become annoying to talk about. And Rams Todd father, Nick, he's most concerned about, you know, everybody overreacting to everything. There's going to be some areas. Oh, wow, somebody with some sane thoughts. Yeah, and there's going to be areas where, you know, people, you know, teams look bad, the Rams look bad, and also, you know, you, this cannot be ignored, but also how things should be put in perspective that it's only week four. And like I said, you know, we're still on pace for 12-4. and four. Defense looks good in, in games one to three. And even in a bad game, we scored 40 points. So let's end it at that. The Rams' Todd father, I think, can uh, put that, that segment to bed there. The concern box is now shut for a week. Well, until Friday, we'll reopen it up. Yeah, I guess we'll open it up Friday. Hopefully there's not much to read. I mean, just and I hope there's not a lot to complain about. I, I couldn't agree more. I hope we just... Clean up with Seattle, even though the game's in Seattle, and it seems like it's right around the corner. It's going to be a difficult difficult game to win, but I don't know, Nick. I think that that takes us into a really nice transition into your segment, Nick's Picks of the Week, because I think, Nick, your uh, your first pick starts off with Rams versus Hawks, considering it's Thursday night. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Before we jump into that, let's just give a quick word to our sponsor, Vespi Brothers, making some money on the podcast. Everybody listen up. You can't control what's outside your home, but you can control what comes in. Because Clorox disinfecting wipes kill 99.9% of viruses and bacteria, including COVID-19 virus, when used as directed on hard, non-porous surfaces. So whether it's from dirty doorknobs, dirty shoes, or something else, outside germs won't stand a chance. When it counts, trust Clorox. Kill Pseudomonas, Salmonella, and Influenza virus type A2. Kill SARS-CoV-2 on hard, non-porous surfaces. Use as directed. Next picks of the week. Pronto you my chips ahoy. What's up guys? Welcome to Nick's Picks. Welcome back. Nick's Picks actually went well last week if you've been keeping up. Uh, maybe I need to start listening to myself and take all of my picks besides the two I feel best about, which I've been doing, and I always feel good about one of the two that ends up in a loss. Okay. So a quick recap with the Eagles won, which was a great pick by me. I made Dean think about his prediction to have his lock be Green Bay, which we which didn't happen. I it didn't happen. It. Yeah, we had that Eagles W. The Lions covered, which was another one of my picks. The Saints won. The Bills would have covered if you took them to cover. I had them outright, so they lost. And then the Rams to cover was, just as we referred to, absolutely disgusting and the worst pick of the week. And unfortunately, the game, I put that nice money on. Enough of that, though. What better way to move on from that loss than to talk right about the next Rams game. But before we hop into those picks, like any split-like, um, I just wanted to say, if you had been using my picks, uh, this week we were 60% win rate, which is still in the positive. So we are currently out of the woods from the rough week one start. Uh, Dean, we do this every week. I need your guaranteed lock. And like we said before, I talked to you out of that Green Bay lock. So you're three for three. You're 100%. I want to keep these locks 16 for 16 all year, and I think we can do that because you just got to pick one game, brother. What's the game? Yeah, I think it's the guaranteed lock of the week. I talked last week about bowling that perfect turkey, and I, I bowled it for sure. So uh, I'm going to stay strong, and you know I think this is going to be a guaranteed lock just because this team put up 40 points. Um, I, you know, I think that they're going to be pretty dominant uh, in the, for the most part in this game. I don't think there's any chance in San Francisco advances to 4-0. No way, no how. I absolutely love Cleveland in this game. That's my lock of the week, the Cleveland Browns book it. Browns advance to 3-2. Send it to Jim Henson. Yes. Yeah, Browns would be 3-2. Cut, print, nice. put it in a movie. Cut print, put it in the movie. I will get to that pick because it's one of my picks. But, you know, me, Nick, uh, if my first pick of the week, it's got to be Rams versus Hawks. I know I usually save the Rams last. But you know what? I love it right now because the Rams are actually underdogs, my brother Dean. But only by one point, even though both teams huh. are 3-1 and the game is in Seattle, which I think is a testament to how strong they are as a complete team on every side of the ball, the Rams. Similar to the Eagles, the Rams and the Hawks are in this season have been in every game until the last play, which is why I feel like this game is going to be absolutely Looney Tunes. Lots of laughs to be had in the big enormous plays and probably a lot of big play blunders, not to mention the head battle between which team has the better season. 
<laughs> Hog season. Webbit season. Duck season. Fire. Hog season. Fire. Uh, both teams have played each other hard all of my life. Uh, I can say that is true. Even in the dark Jagger ages, we could always count on the Fisher Rams to get their two of their five victories over Seattle. Even when the Seattle team went to the Super Bowl twice, the Rams had a, a record victory both of those times. But all of a sudden, we're in a challenging division, and whatever team loses this game is in for a rude awakening. San Francisco will be undefeated until at least Monday night, thanks to a bye. So whatever team loses will be in third place. And, you know, second... It, you're going to be fighting for second place in the division currently. There's absolutely no cakewalk. And we have the beat, beat up O-line. A complete lack of defense from last week. The Rams are going to have to prove something again. I feel like Goff had to prove himself time and time again more than any other young QB. Goff has to prove himself maker. every single week. Every single week, Goff has to prove himself. But like I said earlier, it's the O-line that needs to step it up. Luckily, I'm going to rely on the Rams being the strongest road team from last season and having no road losses yet this year to pull out the better performance. Gurley has said multiple times he hates Thursday games, but look, it's time we unleash, we unleash the Gurley. I miss how much confidence McVay had in him. Gurley last year, and then C.J. Anderson towards the end of the year. Uh, Goff is single-handedly keeping this offensive line, so I'm hoping for Goff and Gurley combination to go off and beat this team with some help from special teams. I'm going Rams outright, still pending. Oh, actually, when I wrote this, it was still pending. But the money line is what I predicted, which is plus 110. So uh, maybe I'm a front runner, maybe I'm a homer. But no matter what, even if it's against my better judgment, I'm taking the Rams over the Seattle Seahawks in Seattle. Final score, 30-33. Rams victory. Field goal. Greg the leg keeping us afloat. 33-30 Rams victory. Okay. <laughs> yeah, that's what I said. Oh, no, did I... 30, I, I met, it's written as 30 to 33 Rams victory. Yeah, I know. <laughs> oh, 33 to 30 Rams victory on a field goal. Greg the leg. What do you, what do you got next? All right, we got Cleveland versus San Fran, which was your pick. And you were saying this team scored 40 points. So I thought you were going to say the Rams were your pick. But either way, nope. if, if, the, <laughs> nope. if the Rams game is going to be Looney Tunes, as I expressed, then this game is going to be more like Ren and Stimpy. Cruder, louder, grossler, and maybe slightly more interesting. Uh, this game will have turnovers galore. Between these two quarterbacks, my guess is we see over six turnovers. Send that prop bet. Send that right to Brian Henson. Cut, print, put it in the movie. Uh, the Browns are coming off a super hot win against the highest-scoring offense of Baltimore Ravens. So I do like the Browns. This game uh, comes down to one thing. And can the Niners stop Nick Chubb, who I think is the actual... Outbreaking star from the Browns this year. Niners let the opposing team rush an average of 75 yards a game this season, which is actually the fifth the fifth lowest. And the Rams were able to hold Chubb, and they're ranked at the ninth lowest rushing yards allowed. So interestingly, uh, also, Baltimore is right behind the Rams, but their defense kind of croaked in the second half and just couldn't handle the uh, grind game that the Browns had, which I kind of foresee is going to happen to the Niners. So I think the Browns will control the time of possession more by being the slightly more mature team. Uh, this game could really go either way. Vegas has the Browns as underdogs with a three-point spread, but I like the Browns outright. Another money line pick for Nick. Shocker! But ultimately comes down to me taking the combo of Baker and Chubbs over Garoppolo and McKinnon. I don't even really know who that is. Was that Kenny? Uh, Baker, you have my respect. Don't soil it. 19 to 26. Browns take that W. Okay. All right, listen, Dean. Uh, I just wanted to briefly talk about this. Baker's got these commercials right now where he kind of uh, lives in the Browns stadium, and they're kind of lame. Uh, I don't think he deserves this kind of level of stardom yet. Hasn't really proven anything. So uh, win this game, Baker, and I'll be less mad at you when you run your mouth and show up on my TV screen. Fair enough. Fair enough. Next on the docket, we got Jags Panthers, Battle of the Backups. Uncle Rico versus Kyle Brockowski. While Legi versus Tug. Ugly Mustachioed MVP versus the Panthers future starter. What else can I say about these Panthers, man? I told everybody to buy Panther shots after their 0-2 start, and I was right. They won both games, and they've been playing up their unfortunate situation, which kind of seems like a blessing in disguise. The master of disguise. Cam Newton. However, I did not foresee the same thing to happen with the Jags. I mean, good for them. They're dealing with Ramsey drama and losing their new start QB after week one. 
But they have some rookie man-baby magic making plays out of nothing and hustling harder than any backup QB I've ever seen in 2019. Uh, all the magic that the Jags have isn't enough for pure talent that the Panthers have, though. Uh, I don't want to sell my Panther stock just yet. I mean, McCarthy, Olsen, Kyle Allen being a stud. Their defense, their defensive-minded coach. Uh, I mean, around the rumor mill, it's that the Panthers are going to destroy this game. Same rumor mill saying Dixie Con will not be in Smash Brothers Ultimate, which is a shame. But I'm going to take the Panthers, and I'm going to take them to cover the three-point spread. Uh, final score, 20-27. to Carolina moves on with another victory. Okay. How do you feel about that one? You think the Jags are uh, are all are all uh, are all flash and no real talent? I think uh, no, I, I think that the Jags are going to put up a good game. I, th- I think that there's an opportunity for the Jags to, to fight and, and push back a little bit. I haven't watched a ton of Jacksonville. I watched more so of the Panthers and that quarterback looks pretty good. So I think it's going to be a really close game. It's definitely going to be within 7 or within 3. So, you know, I like that final score and I like Carolina to win the game. Yeah, I like Carolina to win. I, I just like too much what I'm seeing with uh, Olsen and McCarthy to to really see a loss. And they have a quarterback that can that knows the knows the style of play and knows that he's got to get the ball out fast. I just I think Carolina is a well put together team, and without you know this kind of wild card quarterback, they can they can win a lot of games. Yeah, it's the backup quarterback theory, like we mentioned on the last show. It's McCaffrey's going to be dominant. We know that. We know Olsen's going to be tough, and Kyle Allen's a pretty good player, so we'll see. Yeah. So moving on to the last game of the week, I got Minnesota versus them oh-so-loving New York Giants, and New York's got a got a team again, baby. And it's certainly not the Jets. Uh, Jets. It's definitely not <laughs> the Jets. So snap, quick pick. Whoever's playing the Jets is going to win and cover. Jets are a garbage team with an even worse fan base. Who they? Uh, team, who are the Jets playing this week? Do you know? The Vikings. No, they're no the Eagles. Boom! This is a quick pick. Jets losing. Eagles are gonna cover the spread. Prop bet that the birds don't even let them score. Ooh, yeah, take that. Take that money line. Run that to the bank. Okay, okay back to an actually exciting New York team. Danny Dimes, who isn't a 15-year-old girl, so he doesn't have mono, is coming out to play this uh, Sunday on his home turf. And I'm gonna say it here. <laughs> I'm gonna say it loud. Uh, in New York, the Vikings will fall hard. Skull Vikes are getting scadooshed, and the fans are not going to show up to this game. It's going to be a crowd that bleeds blue, that wants their first fight in the division for five years. They have a chance to still be tied with the Eagles for second if they win, because no way the Eagles lose to the awful Jets. Let's be real. And they haven't been good in so long, despite having a QB who has somehow won two Super Bowl MVPs. So even without Saquon, this team has decided they actually want to fight for something this year. And taking out Eli was maybe the push they needed. I guess I should talk about the Vikings too, but like most of America, I don't want to. They came out hot. <laughs> they won one game, and everyone thought they were fire flames. Turned out they're Cold James. Cold James Neutron. Uh, Thielen and Diggs <laughs> uh, get over. Uh, they just can't get over the 31-year-old bad investment that is Kirk Cousins. And it just seems that, you know, it's simple. Even the Vikings players are saying it. Uh-huh. Uh He's not the guy. I mean, Thielen's going as far as sneakily criticize Kirk this weekend with a comment. Um, and I quote, at some point, you're not going to be able to run the ball for 180 yards, even with the best running back in the NFL. That's when you have to be able to throw the ball. And then he takes a break and then he says, you have to be able to hit the deep balls. End quote. And I feel like that's almost to be saying, you have to be able to hit the deep balls. Kirk, did you hear me? Yeah, he's also Kirk. talking to his coach, too. Yeah, like, it's just, it's got to happen. I don't know what the hell's taking so long for them to throw the ball over the top. Yeah, so, uh, final score for that game, I'm saying 23-32, Giants take home a W okay. in the Big Apple. JK, their stadium is in Dirty Jersey. So we got Rams as a teeny tiny underdog taking the W. Okay. Browns being dogs okay. and taking that W. Dog pound. Carolina covering with a cheeky panther win. Whoa win. Whoa win. Whoa win. Whoa win. Whoa win. Whoa win. And they cover. Okay. And then Eagles cover W against the Jets because Jets may be just as bad as the Dolphins. That will be the emptiest games of the year is Jets versus Dolphins. Okay. And I'll take the Giants. They gain a little yard and some 
and relax at home with a W. Okay. Cut, print, put it in a movie, put it in Jim Hansen's Creature Shop Challenge. Brian Henson is here, and do you agree with my picks, Brian? Brian didn't have time. Oh, that wasn't Brian, that was you. Brian had to leave. That was me, He's- yeah, sorry. Brian had to leave the room, that was that was me, Dean. Uh, well, well, hey, I mean, we'll catch him on Season 2 Creature Shop, Jim Henson's Creature Shop Challenge, which we're also getting money from. Uh, they love the Rams, so they're putting... All the money and good talk that you got tonight was all thanks to Jim Henson's Creature Shop Challenge. (laughs) We thank Jim Henson. We thank everybody from the Muppets, everybody from Disney for bringing you another episode of Rams Brothers the Pod. Uh, Thanks for listening to uh, the small segment of Nick's Quick's Picks that kind of gets a little ludicrous, but uh, it's fun to have uh, people that enjoy the show and comment on uh, on our responses from Rams Twitter because that's what it's all about I mean it's really just so much fun to interact with you guys and just get a sense of how you felt after that game because Dean you and I know they were ours were on the roof yeah we, we really just wanted to thank the whole fan base for all the interaction and uh, Nick and I couldn't appreciate it more it's it's exactly what we've we've always wanted uh, from the show. We just wanted to be able to interact with all the fans and get everybody together. And I think it's a good opportunity to, to have everybody have their tweets on the show too so that we can run through them and give everybody a shout-out because it's all well-deserved. Everybody deserves to be on the podcast at some point. And uh, Nick and I are very happy to make all that happen. So yeah, thank, thank mean, you guys all for listening. Dean and I really strive to uh, make this a really complete show. I tried to. I told him in the beginning of this episode, I want to be as weird as we can. Because it, it's fun when you try to get the vibe of the game to echo the vibe of the episode. Because, I mean, I, there were just so many questionable things about the call, the play calls in the game and when it happened and uncharacteristic things. And uh, it's fun to kind of implement that kind of stuff on the pod, especially with, Luna, with Looney Tunes uh, bits like Nick's quick picks. So you guys are great. Uh, thanks for listening. Um, Rams Talk fam, keep it up. We love being a part of the network. Uh, you guys are great. Uh, <laughs> keep it up, Ramley. We're happy to be a part of this this dysfunctional fam. Uh, yes, absolutely. It's definitely a dysfunctional fam, but we love you guys. Thanks for listening. We'll talk to you guys later. Let's go, Rams. Cue the King K. Rule music. Elton John, Elton, Elton John, Elton. <laughs> oh, I love it. Like the bam, 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 bam. Yeah, it's like it's perfect. history hangs from the Raptors. Jalen Brown throws it down. Where else is your own city? Home to your biggest rival. The battle of LA is real, people. And 30 feet is still in range. Curry, action. Where else can a city this loud be this slept on? Where else is history? Still in the making. Oh my goodness. Where else? The NBA, only here. Season begins December 22nd on ABC, ESPN, TNT, and NBA TV. You can't control what's outside your home, but you can control what comes in. Because Clorox disinfecting wipes kill 99.9% of viruses and bacteria, including COVID-19 virus, when used as directed on hard, non-porous surfaces. So whether it's from dirty doorknobs, dirty shoes, or something else, outside germs won't stand a chance. When it counts, trust Clorox. Kill Pseudomonas, Salmonella, and Influenza virus type A2. Kill SARS-CoV-2 on hard, non-porous surfaces. Use as directed.